What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the Dub Jelson Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, former Purdue guard, Rafael Davis. Rafael, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you having me. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we were just talking. You were, you were in Fort Wayne for that uh, basketball camp. How, how, did that, how did things with that go? It went real well. We had about 40 to 50 kids come out throughout the week. Um, any given time, we had about think the most at one time we had was 38 kids in the gym. Um, I had over three days of Christmas break, especially in my community, giving a lot of kids a place to go when their parents are at work. So, I mean, for to get 30 kids, 35 kids from my school system I grew up in, school system my daughter's in, her classmates, to get them to camp for free, that was real cool. Mm-hmm. So how did all this come together? I know you, you held camps previously too. Um, so why did you want to put on these camps and – Talk about like the process of beginning them. Uh, for me, this is something I always wanted to do, um, be able to have camps, give back to my community, because something that I did growing up, something that Deshaun Thomas did in my community growing up, James Blackman, Bryson Scott, Ashante Jones. I mean, even Walter Jordan from Purdue. I mean, he's from Fort Wayne. He would come back and have Walter Jordan basketball camps. So it's one of those things where that's something I always wanted to do growing up because people did it for me. But then now, Basketball in my in, on my side of town hasn't really been what it was in the past. So, but it's also because a lot of those organizations are not are no longer. Everybody kind of depends on the big Nike organization in the town to kind of take care of the town. And in my opinion, it wasn't getting the job done. So, now I just want to be a voice in my community for those kids who maybe aren't good enough to play for the Nike team in their eyes, but they come play with me and play at my camps and play for me. So it's all good. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Lou Jack was there. Um, how he's how is he doing? And uh, talk about how that came together to to bring him in as well. Lou Jack, that's my man. Lou Jack been my man since I was fourteen, fresh uh, eighth grader in middle school. I come up to Purdue. I think that was my freshman year, my first elite camp. Lou Jack was a freshman at Purdue, and from then we just built a bond. He was my elite camp coach. He let me shoot the ball every time. So <laughs> having Lou Jack at camp was huge for me. Being able to be around him. I mean, Lou Jack is my favorite player that's ever played at Purdue. It wasn't Etwan, it wasn't Robbie, it wasn't JJ. It was Lou Jack. I wanted to come to campus. I wanted to have the presence of Lou. So having Lou be around the kids in my community and having them see some of who I looked up to as a young kid was big. I mean, even outside of anything that Lou's been through in the past, it was just Lou saw was having a this is the man, this type of man Lou is. Lou saw was having a camp via social media two months ago. Lou texted me Sunday evening. He said, hey, man, you still having a camp? I said, yeah. He said, where? All I say is speech. I don't say time. I don't give him an address. I just say speech. Lou Jack walks in the next morning, 45 minutes early, just says, what's up? He's booked a hotel. He, it's no questions asked. He, he acts as if he's been in on every meeting. He's, he's there. So, I mean, that's who Lou Jack is. That's who he's always been to me, kind of a big brother, a big homie in a sense. So having him back around me is huge and things we can do in the future would be pretty big. Mm-hmm. So that's one, one thing I wanted to ask you about. What are you planning for the future uh, with these camps? And then hopefully after COVID, um, is, if there's anything else that you wanted to do to maybe add on to these camps or different events that you wanted to do. Something I plan to do, because I know we were just talking about Lou, is um, I was sitting there talking to Lou and I don't think Lou understands how appreciated he is at Purdue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see, I mean, guys go through things personally and they may feel like they're alone, but something I plan to do is let all of our legends that's come through guys that I look up to know that 
I love them. Purdue loves them. I want them to be a part of what I'm doing, but I want them to feel like they're a part of Purdue too. So that's one of the big things I want to keep doing to keep making the Purdue family a bigger Purdue family. But then also with my camps and my um, nonprofit organization, just to give hope and dreams to kids, whether it be through basketball or teaching kids that one of my favorite teammates, Drew Anther, won the NBA championship, but he had to play. He didn't play alongside LeBron James. He did it in a different role. And that role that Drew was in is a role that I didn't know about growing up. And a lot of our kids don't know about. So exposing them to different things like that, let them know they can be the player, the trainer, the coach, the video director, the media personality, all of those in one, you can still be in the NBA and not be a player. So opening eyes to that, um, giving, I mean, simply just giving kids a place to go, being able to start a community center where you have technology stuff, you have mental health stuff, you have dance and ballet. Everybody's not going to be a basketball player. You have soccer, you have tennis, but just do a lot for the youth, I guess is what I'm getting at. But whether it be before COVID, after COVID, for right now, the next thing we plan to do is a spring break camp. We want to do a spring break camp in Lafayette and kind of give back to that area. If Fort Wayne is home for me, then my next home is Lafayette. So kind of do it in that sense and keep everything genuine and try and give back as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And kind of like the vibes that you're giving off to me, and especially the videos that I saw um, like before the season started with you working with like Aaron and Eric is I think that you'd be an amazing coach. So <laughs> do you ever want to get, have you been thinking about maybe getting into coaching? Maybe, maybe be at the high school level or at the collegiate level. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm coaching an AAU team, a 17U team this spring. So this will be my first um, throwing my hat in the ring, kind of that thing, no, I'm on his heels. But um, so I'll be coaching the um, pro skills basketball team. Steph Curry sponsors some of their um, Charlotte teams, and they have an Under Armour sponsor in Nashville. This will be their first time, first team in Atlanta, and they asked me to be a part of it. So I'll be coaching that team. So then I've also, I mean, a lot of people just don't know. I won a state championship as a coach in Georgia. So um, oh, did you really? I'm building, I'm building a little pedigree a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man, I think you'd be an amazing coach. Um, I mean, talk about how busy you've been. I mean, I see ever since you got on Twitter, the Purdue community has kind of flocked to you and you've been doing ama- a bunch of amazing different things. I mean, with the camps and, and your podcasts and things of that nature. So how busy have you been? I'm busy. I'm pretty busy. Um, I mean, I guess I'll say I didn't know it was New Year's Eve until I was training a uh, high school girl and she asked her teammate what they had planned. And I just I was so thrown off. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm busy. I live in Atlanta, but I spend a lot of time in Indiana. Uh, my oldest daughter lives in Indiana. But like you said, I'm doing a podcast um, to try to give back to basketball. I'm trying to give as much to basketball as it gave to me. I'm no longer working with Eli Lilly. I've been doing that for four years. And I just kind of, I, mean, I was in the corporate world and it was a fun, it was a great time. But to me, once I kind of got embraced with basketball again, it just kind of fell back in love with it. This is what I want to do all the time. So rather it be, I train about, in Atlanta, I have about 40 kids at my basketball academy that I train on a weekly basis. In Indiana now, I have about 20 kids that I train on a monthly basis. So between the, between the two, I have about 60 kids in my training organization. That's just giving back time. I mean, it's not one of those things where you expect to make a killing of money or anything like that, but just giving kids your time and letting them know that I've done it. I can show you what I did and maybe you can do it too. But then also my camps and building my, we just had our second camp. We had our first one in Atlanta in October. And then we just had our second one in Fort Wayne. And like I said, we're trying to have one in for spring break and just 
I mean, I want to be the next five-star basketball camps. So Rick Mount basketball camp. I want to Brayfield basketball camp with my team and the crew of people that I grew up with to kind of just go around and host as many camps and clinics as possible. But then also we're building a nonprofit um, organization to where, like I was just thinking about, yeah, we're going to have basketball, but how can kids still be a part of the crew but not be a basketball player? So yeah. having a foundation where we can still bring everybody apart, whether it be my daughter doesn't like basketball, but she likes cheerleading. So how can we have a cheerleading camp connected with the basketball camp? And just a lot of different things that I plan to do in the future. Me, I know my team around me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you kind of mentioned your podcast. How did that get started, and uh, what's that been like for you? I got that's something I always wanted to do. Uh, I look up to like the Brilliant Idiots podcast, like Charlemagne the God and Andrew Schultz, and like Drink Champs, a lot of different podcasts. Um, um, Mike Tyson's podcast. I really look up to Mike Tyson. So it's one of those things where I've always wanted to do it. Uh, Dewan Morero, who's my really good friend, he started his own podcast, and he kind of gave me another push to do my own. But like I said, just giving the giving the voices a voice is something I've always been into because not everybody is going to be the best basketball player in the neighborhood. And that's who I was. So growing up and now going back to that neighborhood is how can I give as many people a voice as I can, rather it be a Purdue player, rather it be a women's player. I mean, Carissa McLaughlin is from Fort Wayne. She plays at Purdue, but she's from Fort Wayne. So Mike Robinson is someone that came back to Purdue my sophomore year and really spent time with me. Tommy Luce is someone on his very first workout. He's playing <laughs> two on two with me and we killing some recruits. So it's like, these are people, PJ means the world to me. These are people that really mean a lot to me. And I want people outside of myself to see that, have that same admiration. But I also want Mike Robb to know that 20 years later, Purdue still loves him. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I plan to do a lot with it. I mean, from that, Lou Jack and I have started to talk, and we may even start our own um, the day after a game, just watch the game and break it down. So it's something that Lou Jack and I can give give an experience that the next day the players, they're going into the locker room, they're going to do the same thing with paint. Between Lou Jack and I, we know what paint is thinking. So we can give the same exact film breakdown just the next day to the to the average Joe that wants to know what's going on or why if someone wants to know why something didn't work or why we're doing this, Lou Jack is smarter than me. He can explain it way better than me and I can just give him my take. So it's like some of those things where maybe we start our own web media website or maybe we start our own something, but just being in control of ourselves and finally giving ourselves a voice. Mm -hmm. That'd be a great idea. I know a lot of Purdue fans would love that. Um, you've kind of talked about, you've mentioned it many times in this, in this interview already. Um, about making it a priority of uh, former Purdue players being shown love um, even after after they're gone. How do you feel like Purdue's kind of done that um, this far, either being with you or some of the other guys? With me, I always I get that question often. And with me, it's different because something I do is I'm personally invested in the team each year. I mean, when I left, I mean, PJ and those guys were my babies. So it's like, I didn't have to talk to Coach Paint to know what's going on in the locker room. Dakota called me pissed off, like really upset. Like, think he's going to cry. PJ called me pissed off. You know, Vince called me ready. You know what I mean? So I'm invested that next two years, if then Eric Hunter comes, that's my family member. So obviously I'm connected still there. Aaron Wheeler, I helped recruit him. when I, I'm in Atlanta, but I talked to him while he's in high school. So it's 
I have those still personal ties, you know what I mean, to the team that I, I'm still able to, I mean, simply say it like you said when I worked out with Aaron and Eric, the coaching staff didn't know I was on campus. They just came in the room. They were came in the gym and were surprised to see me. So I can come back to the campus, not as someone that used to play at Purdue, but now I'm a trainer for these guys. So that's something I've always been able to do, just stay connected because I've been – this, again, something different for me is that I've been a fan of Purdue since I was 13. I committed to play at Purdue when I'm 14 years old. So I've been a legit fan for 13 years, and I actually have personal insights. So it's like I'm going to use it as much as I can. Yeah. But paint – Payne is really good on just kind of staying connected with guys. If guys need anything, I mean, you always can call Payne. You can reach out to Payne. Um, Deb is really, really good at sending out memos or the alumni game. I know we're having an alumni game every two years. Kobe kind of messed that up. I mean, that's something like – I know I'm rambling, but Lou Jack looked at me and said, um, first sentence, Lou Jack says to me, and I'm rambling, first sentence. He said, hey, man, I saw you call PJ the best point guard in Purdue history. He said, man, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> said, wait to the next alumni game. That's what he said. He said, wait to the next <laughs> alumni game. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show everybody else. He said they must have forgot. And that that started camp on Monday. <laughs> so it's like those alumni games mean a lot to us. So how can we get all of the guys to come back to alumni games? But I mean Purdue does a great job. Brentley, Brentley is a great coach, a great person to lean on, a great guy to be around. So just the older guys aren't used to this staff yet. Coach O isn't there anymore. Coach G isn't there anymore. Conzo isn't there anymore. Those are some guys that recruited and coached a lot of guys, but it's just more about getting guys come back around. I know me and Lou talked real heavily on that. How can we get guys just come back more often? So, but no, I think, uh, I think Purdue does a good job. I think I force it on them a lot. I think sometimes when Payne has seen me, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, I'm here. I'm here to stay. So I love it. Mm -hmm. And going back to your to your career, I had Coach Painter on the podcast back in back in August, I believe. And I asked him who the best leaders were that he's ever coached. And first words out of his mouth were Rafael Davis, and then he said PJ Thompson. Um, so how did you kind of assume that role um, over the course of your career? Um, no, nah, it was. Let me say this: so we played my first year. We we lose we. Illinois and Minnesota, they both go to the tournament my freshman year, but we beat both of them in Mackey. So it's like, we don't make the NIT, but we play the CBI. We don't, we have a terrible non-conference, but we finished kind of middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, we lose in the CBI. We don't play in the CBI and we just go home. I think we, the salt isn't that salty in our mouth, but we lose in the CBI at home, which was bad. We, somebody scored 40 points on us at home, CBI lost. That, so paint, that summer was rough. That next year, we get a lot of transfers in. Some guys leave, some guys come in. Long story short, we come last place. Halfway during that season, Ronnie Johnson was running suicides. And I forget why Ronnie was running suicide. But he's the last one left, and he's not making his times at this point. And paint, if you're not going to make your time, he's going to keep running it. So I jump in and run a few suicides with Ronnie to kind of get him through his time. And at the end of that, paint bring, I don't know if paint had this plan. I don't I have no idea. But then they bring everybody in the huddle. That's the end of practice. And he, he names me a captain. He takes away three of our senior captains, and he names me a captain, too, which I think was Travis. So um, Travis Carroll. So, I mean, at that moment, I became a captain halfway. I wasn't even starting. wasn't even playing half. I think it was playing like 17 minutes a game. So it was like, you got Tyrone Johnson looking at me. He's a senior. He's, a, he's the best player on the team. And now I'm a captain. He got an answer to me in a sense. So 
there's a little bit of getting used to, there's a little bit of kind of getting my voice. But then that next year, we only had myself, AJ, Kendall, Basil, and Bryson. So Kendall, Basil, and Bryson, they were already under my, I was already a captain for them. And then we had a lot of guys transfer. And then we had the five new freshmen come in. And they just, they just needed a voice to hear. So it was real, a re- real easy transition from that sense because there's only five of us and five new people, and I knew nobody in the locker room could beat me up. Yeah. So that's kind of what leadership comes down to. If nobody, if nobody, if someone you have somebody in your locker room and nobody can beat up, that's kind of gonna be the leader. But um, but no, the guys, I love the guys. They love me and the way we did things. It was never one leader. Dakota Mathias was our leader at times, even though he was sick at times. P.J. Thompson was a huge voice, even as a freshman. He just had it in him to be a leader. So, I mean, although I get a lot of credit for, I guess, being a leader of that team, John Octius came in and those young guys wanted to be like John Octius because he's from Miami. He lives, he was fast paced, real energetic. So, I mean, John Octius really did a lot for me because I didn't want to deal with the young guys. So, I mean, just from top to bottom, we just had a real strong team. That was one of AJ's better years, leadership wise. He really took control of Isaac. Really, even when Isaac would take his minutes, AJ still helped with Isaac. So that year, just paint kind of got back to paint, and he didn't play around, so it was easier. Mm-hmm. And how did you kind of get? How were you able to get through to the guys? Like, um, I, like I know you mentioned, if there's nobody in the locker room that can beat you up, you can be <laughs> the leader. But like, say someone like. Um, Say, say a freshman comes in and he's kind of hard-headed. How do you try to get through to him? Ryan Klein. Ryan. <laughs> so if you have Ryan Klein. You said, say Ryan Klein comes to the door. He's state champion, state champion at Carmel. He's obviously one of the better players in the state. If Biggie doesn't come to Indiana, Ryan Klein's a Mr. Basketball. So you have Ryan Klein comes in and Ryan Klein knows everything. And if he doesn't, he just doesn't really care. So you just make him run. You have Grant Weatherford. They come in and they kind of they've been doing things their way a long time, and you just make them run. You just make them run a hundred Mackies. Uh, Ryan Klein to this day, I guess you have Snapchat memories or whatever. He sent me a Snapchat memory of him in a cold tub from four or five years ago from something I'm, I made him go on varsity climbing for 30 to 45 minutes. So I had a thing where this is one of the things I did with freshmen or not even just fresh AJ too. AJ didn't talk to me for about a month after this. So if you in the locker room, you went up in my days. I think we did 30 minutes early. Say, say it was 30 minutes early. And you, had to be in lock, you had to be in the weight room at eight. Workout started at eight, so you had to be there at 7.30. If this 7.29 and it turns 7.30, I have my phone in my hand to see exactly when it's turning 7.30. If you're not in the weight room at 7.30, you might as well just go get on the burst climber, go hit the stairs. There's no wiggle room. There's no, oh, I was coming for clap. No, it's nothing. It was that sense, it was that sort of discipline that we had. It was. Your socks are matching everybody else's socks. Your shorts are matching everybody else's shorts. Your cutoff is, if everybody has them cut off, we all have them cut off. If everybody has on this long sleeve Purdue shirt, we all have on this long sleeve white Purdue shirt when we work out. So it was that, building that discipline, but also guys knew that if I was early, if everybody was early, Ray was going, it was it was whatever. Ray didn't really, if we was all doing our thing, we all go to Ray house, Ray come hang out, it's whatever. But you knew if you were late, if you did something in class, if if it got back to Ty Foster, if it got back to me, my thing was how can I let, not let anything hit Paint's table? And that was a year that not a lot of things hit, hit Paint's table, but we handled a lot of things ourselves. So that was kind of the way I took it. Real fun approach, real 
you do what you're supposed to do, we're going to have a lot of fun. But right when you try to, you're not going to get over me because I don't sleep. So we had guys try to leave hotels at night. I catch them while they're leaving. So it's like, you will learn eventually. And even AJ had to go through it. So it was all good. Mm. What? I don't know if you want to share the stories, but uh, what were the stories of people trying to leave hotels? Like, where were you guys at? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> we would stay at the Union. I don't know if they still do, but we stayed at the Union the night be- home games. The night before the home game, we I don't know if they still do, but we would stay at the Union. And basically, you guys get there, we get our meal, be at the Union by 8 o'clock after practice or whatever, get your pot bellies, and you're in the hotel. You guys, until the next morning. So we had guys, I guess, didn't want to sleep with a roommate or didn't want, you know, I mean, and we had to turn our phones in. So you turn your phone in around 10 o'clock, Kitty Low, get your phone. So we had guys that would legit, it'd be 12.30, they'd try to sneak out and go home. Or like maybe 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 a party on campus. And maybe it may be Snooze Day or Jersey Tuesdays, and you want to go to that party and not stay in the union. So <laughs> one, I'm going to know. And then I wake up really, really early, so I, was, I would always leave first. So I know whose car was there, whose car wasn't. I would always check with Kenny Lowe, who didn't pick up their phones. I would even have room. I would even, some, if I knew a guy was kind of, you know, I would have his roommate check. So it's one of those things where you just know. I caught Grant Rutherford one time. He tried to lie to me, but I seen it with my own two eyes. I seen him. <laughs> I seen him. So he had he had 200 Mackey. And Grant is a beautiful person. I just thought Grant really helped with my camp. With down in, He's at Southern now. And the volleyball team at Southern donated to, to sponsor five kids at camp. So still this... He appreciated what I did for him at this time. He had to run 200 Mackeys in two hours. And if he didn't finish it in that two hours, he had to do it again the next day. And I don't know if people can conceptualize how hard that is, but that's 100 Mackeys in 60 minutes, and you have to get it on time, or you're just going to do it the next day. So, I mean, stuff like that, I can reach out to Grant, and he'll have a conversation with me any day of the week because he appreciates it. It came full circle. Grant, when I was, when I, Grant reached out to me about camp, told me the volleyball team at Southern wanted to do, and he thanked me for the type of leadership that I gave him because he said he didn't understand it, but now as an older guy, he gets it, can help his younger guys. So, I mean, we, you'd be surprised, man. Guys, <laughs> guys go missing. Guys try to go out, guys try to get out of anything. Your best player may go missing for a day or two, but it's all good. Um, <clears throat> so, between your sophomore and junior year, there's obviously a big transition from um, where you guys were and till where you guys um, finished. Where do you feel like that turnaround took place? Or a turnaround took place. I mean, shit, man. Uh, not bad. Excuse my language, but I mean, we lose two. If I'm if my memory is not mistaking me. It's December, and I know our fans are going crazy in December, but I don't think they remember that we lost to North Florida, Garner-Webb, Notre Dame, and there was one more. We lost four in a row. Oh, and Bandy. We lost at Bandy. So we lost four games in a row. Paint was ready, and this is right after the last play season. Mm. Paint was ready to cut everybody. <laughs> I mean, Paint would say little things like, I cut every single person in this locker room. And we'll go to the rec in the library. He'll get 12 people that want to do it in Purdue way. And he meant it. I believed it. So it's like, at that point, too, scholarships were semester to semester. So it's like, it was that moment. We come back to campus on, on winter break after we just lost four in a row. And we probably have the 
hardest practice I've ever been in my life. And after that practice, all the guys come over and we just have a powwow. I mean, we just kind of talk. I mean, it's not a lot of talking, just a lot of cussing, but we actually really get it all on the table. And then we go to Penn State and we play like crap in the first half. This is the game where Kendall, we get the free throw, tip out, Kendall hits the three in the corner, we win the game. But this is like I said, we want to keep as much off of paint as we could. We go to Penn State and at halftime, paint didn't have to speak because I kind of let us have it. I mean, it was, I reminded everybody in that locker room that Penn State game, that halftime, we could either win to the next season or we could win back to my sophomore year and came in last place in Big Ten. It was that moment at Penn State on a row. I think it's the early tip, no energy in the gym. And I lost it in the locker room because it felt like the season before. We had just lost four straight. I mean, we beat Minnesota at home after that, but then we go on the road and we show them like that at Penn State. I think that halftime, that locker room was when we changed the season, I think, because that was when guys, the young guys, I think they saw how serious it was at that moment. And I think that's when we fixed it, I think. I think that's when guys kind of started just to play hard. So, mm-hmm. But John Nakius, though, John Nakius, I mean, from that sophomore to junior year, I don't know if he gets enough credit. Because he comes in and he comes in after the season starts and picks it up on the fly. He doesn't play that many minutes starting out because it's P.J., Bryson, and John Nakius. And Peyton's trying to figure it out. And because Peyton, I mean, Bryson and P.J. has been there all summer. J.O.'s new. So Bryson may pay the two a little bit. So Peyton's trying to figure that out. And J.O. just took it in stride and just kept working, so. Mm-hmm. And not only are you a great leader, but obviously you hang your hat on your defense. Um, did you always kind of take pride in your in in your defensive abilities, given that you were the no. Big Ten defensive player of the year? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, man. I um, I led the state in scoring when I was in high school. One of those years, like my junior year, or something like that. So like, no, nah, Paint looked. I think it was Paint or Coach Owens. One of them looked at me and said, uh, "Yeah, Ray, you're the worst defender we ever recruited." <laughs> and I was just all right. I mean, it's one of those things where you're not playing because you can't play defense. You won't play because you can't play defense. And so I didn't play defense. I didn't know how to play defense. I had four different high school coaches. I never learned a shell drill because I could score 30 points in a game. Mm-hmm. So it's why guard when you can score. That was kind of my mentality. But Coach Brantley, Coach Brantley, going into my junior year, like I said, all those guys that transferred, we had five new freshmen coming in. And Dakota – had mono or something. And we knew that before he got there. So Coach Brantley and John Octis had not committed yet. So yeah. Coach Brantley would always say, hey, right, who's going to guard Terran Petway? Who's going to guard Karis LeVert? Who's going to guard James Blackman? So he would always say that in Maymaster. And then I'm just like, come on, man. I'm not trying to hear that. That one of the freshmen guard him. You know, then that one time he said, hey, Ray, one of the freshmen coming in that guard. And I see the floor, man. And then that clicked because I knew Dakota Mathias could shoot better than me because I seen him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I know Dakota can shoot. I've always knew Kendall could shoot because when T- Kendall came to Purdue, he took my minutes. I don't know if people never realized, but I start my freshman year. Kendall comes. I don't start to start that season. Kendall takes my spot. So I always knew that was against me. So I knew if I if I knew if that first week and Dakota's on campus, if I don't let him get a shot off, or if I don't let Kendall Stevens get a shot off, there's no reason I shouldn't be playing. You know what I mean? So it was just that shift, but also being the upperclassman, being the guy that – I'm going to have to guard Grant Petway. He's either going to dog me or I'm going to dog him. I'm from a place where it's 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 it's, it's like that, and I never want to be embarrassed on national TV. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 
kind of transitioning to the, the team this year. What have your impressions been? Um, I know we've had we've had some success and we've also had some some losses, but what have your your first impressions of the team so far? This team reminds me of my junior year all over again. No, well, we had Neil Bashirs, Neil Neil, <laughs> Neil Bashirs, who was my roommate. Yeah, he was a senior, but I mean, he was a walk a walk on senior. He earned a scholarship, but Neil was super quiet. I mean, Neil was hardcore dude. If I had a foxhole, I'm taking Neil with me. But Neil was very, very quiet. He was quiet to the point where he he wanted to be in the CI. Like that's what he wanted to do. So we didn't we didn't have any senior voice. Just kind of like now they don't have a senior voice in the locker room. Tommy Luce may have been a walk on, but Tommy Luce's voice was in the locker room. You know what I mean? So they don't have that right now. So it reminds me of that year, but also the way Eric Eric reminds me a lot of myself, just leadership wise. Travion reminds me a lot of AJ and Zach with Isaac. You got Brandon, Brandon and Jaden. They're not scared of, of, the, of a shot. You know what I mean? So you have like Kendall Stevens and Dakota right there. So, you know, so kind of you have that similarities through each player and each position. It makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I see this team, they're growing, they're young. You have going to have the same exact team next year. Especially if you, I don't know how they're going to do this free year, but you have the same exact team three years in a row. I mean, I think this team could be really, really good. I think this team goes at Eric's pace. I don't know if Paint has had a team or that has a point guard like Eric, just to all around. He can score, pass, shoot. He's fast. He can guard. He's like Blue Jack and PJ with John Octis' size. You know what I mean? So they go at his pace and they all love him. Like once you love your point guard, you got a good solid team. So having Eric in there, I think we win that that Clemson game. I think we win that Miami game. So I mean, I think we are. Right. But I mean. When Eric struggles, we're going to struggle. When Travion struggles, we're going to struggle. Sasha the same. When Aaron plays like he did, when that – Aaron's a guy that I love. So it's like – like I ramble sometimes. I think about Aaron. I think I get that from Coach Payne. But Aaron's a guy that coming to Purdue as a slasher, as a wing. He has a good year shooting the ball his freshman season. But then everybody just – oh, he's our next – he's our next Ryan Klein. Aaron Wheeler was never supposed to be the next Ryan Klein. He's, he's 6'10". Yeah. He's 6'10", 250. Why would he why, why do we expect him to be the next knockdown 6'4 shooter? So it's like once we drop these unrealistic expectations from our player and we let Aaron Wheeler be that 12-13 guy that he showed in the 10-13 game he had, that's who he is. But a lot of pressure comes from the fans and Twitter and whatnot that Aaron misses one three-pointer. He's the worst shooter. Why we let Aaron shoot threes? He's the worst shooter in the I don't know if our fans understands, but I'll be the first to say it. That gets to us. Because then we want to prove y'all wrong. And then we want to prove the coaches wrong because they tell us to stop shooting. And then it's all up here. So it's like, let Aaron be Aaron. And that year, I remember, it was kind of getting compared to Ryan Klein's freshman year and all that stuff, whatever. But he then he grew through more inches. So it's like, let him grow into be him. And Aaron is consistently a 12 and 8 guy or a 10 and 10 guy. We're a final 14 next year. So it's like Mason is unbelievable player. Mason just gets how to play basketball. So it's like this team is so deep. I mean, you got Isaiah hasn't hit a stride yet, but Isaiah, I've watched Isaiah score 40 points against one of the better players in the country. So it's like we have such a deep and long and just experienced team. Although we're young, we got five, four or five players been to Elite A run. So it's like we've been in the big locker rooms, we play with NBA players. It's just now about, I think now Eric's found out that he has that type of voice and he's going to have to lead it. And he's going to have to just 
being mean, being mean guy. That's what he is. That that's what I am. That he's not. He's not a mean guy. Guys like him. Guys don't like me. Guys like me now, but they don't like me now. I don't have that. John Octus. John Octus. Anthony. Me and Anthony and John Octus. Anthony Brown and John Octus. We we got each other. But everybody else, they they didn't like Ray. But, but I think this team this year, just let them play and just let them have fun. Let them use this year as a free year, which is what it is. Obviously, we want to win, and Paint wants to win as much as anybody. I don't think people realize that neither. Paint wants to win as much as anybody. But then that ne- next year, you have Caleb Frost coming in. You have the other freshmen coming in. I mean, man, again, I don't want to put too much pressure on Paint, but it's a special time at Purdue. It's a really special time at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of – I see – I mean, I, I understand what you're saying with the, with the whole thing about Twitter and people kind of ragging on the players. Um, on the other side of it, I have seen a lot of a lot of guys or or Twitter personalities, I guess, saying, "Hey, this seems a young team. We're going through some growing pains." But I mean, you look at what's going to be there in the future. I mean, we're primed for a Final Four run. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I really like, and I've seen the same thing. Especially so, I've paying to let us have Twitter after like my freshmen, I think after Krusty Barlow. So we could like sneak and have Twitter a little bit, but like we really couldn't tweet. So I got off of it, like my junior year, I got off of it for good. Then I just now getting it back. But yeah, like you see some games where you see something, you want to say something, but a lot of times fans are just excited about the youngness of this team. I mean, lawyer Fletcher, Fletcher, I, Fletcher lawyer, 50 points yeah. and that, that in 32 minutes, it's hard to do. So he'll be a freshman we have Isaiah as a senior. So it's like, we have such a really, a really good team. And if the, if we just stay even killed, we just don't turn into something that Purdue fans aren't, I think we'll be fine. And just, if we just continue, like just going back to Twitter, I think if we can, we just must always, and this is just separately, totally, has nothing to do with you were talking about. But yeah. one thing we got to do is on Twitter as fans, media as whatever, is respect our legends because if we don't think the next 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid looks at, oh, this Purdue page has 30,000 followers, but this is how they treat one of their best point guards of all time. If I mess up, they're going to treat me like that. One mess up or two mess up, they turn it back on me. Well, I mean, I don't know if we've had a guy in the program in Paint's era. Paint could tell you more than me, but maybe it's my personal opinion. But if Lou Jack isn't at Purdue, I don't go to Lou Jack. So this conversation we haven't, we can't have this conversation without Lou Jack. Mm-hmm. So there's no way I would ever let somebody just try to tarnish what Lou Jack meant to Purdue. You know what I mean? So it's like, we must always respect who's really fought for us. You know what I mean? Because Eric, I mean, because Lou Jack knows, Lou Jack hasn't played at Purdue in eight years. He knows every single player and their trainer on the team. Like he was, he doesn't know Brandon, but he knows he's really good friends with Brandon's trainer and they talk about Brandon. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. But if, if, Brandon, if Brandon is in high school and Brandon's trainer is telling Brandon, don't go to Purdue. They treat Lou Jack like this. Look what Lou Jack did to them. He did for them. Big Ten championships. You know what I mean? Play with three. He got the ball to all of the NBA players. Mm-hmm. Don't go there. This is how they treat them 10 years later. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where I come to play. How can we make sure these 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds, how can we make sure that all they have to do, go to Purdue, play as hard as they can, Give their all to the team. They can average six points like me. But then for the rest of their life, Purdue loves them, and they can come back to campus, and they can come come to games, and they just feel welcome. 
You know what I mean? So yeah. we got to get back to that and stay at that. And I think that'll separate us in the Big Ten or just across the country too. But yeah, I said a lot. I don't know if I I went way past your point. My bad. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Um, a couple more things. I want to tell a story. Um, do you? Well, first I want to ask you something. Do you have family in Noblesville? Noblesville, yeah, yeah. My uh, father and mother live in Noblesville. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I graduated from Noblesville in 2018, and we were sitting we were sitting on like the platforms in the weight room. You know, uh, Coach Brian Clark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so you can, you come in through like the front doors and me and my friend Bryce Randolph are sitting on the front platforms and he leans over to me. He goes, bro, is that Rayfield Davis? I was like, what are you talking about? I turned around like, holy shit. And like, we were like, we were going to like go up and say something to you, but then we were like, oh no, 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 we shouldn't. But that was like, I don't know. We were, I had to be like a freshman. I had to be like, I came in to work out. I came in to shoot and work. Out. I used Noah's, I used the high school in, the, in Maymaster. Yeah. So in Maymaster, when we would go home before June and July, I work out at the high school. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I think I was a freshman. I, I, I don't remember how old you were. That would have been 2015. Yeah. So I was like a freshman. In high 15, yeah, 15 or 16, one of those two years. Because I used it, I used no, I used the high school after I graduated too, before I started, went to go play professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used it both summers. That's what's up. That's cool. And then um, I wanted to get any good Coach Painter stories if you have any. Coach Painter stories. Or just any stories. I don't um, know if I can get Coach Painter stories because, you know, Coach Painter got a foul mouth, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Coach Painter, now nah, let me get my. Let me see one of my. Let me see. I don't know, man. I got a lot of stories that can't be told. Um, AJ leaves his shoes. AJ leaves his shoes when we go play Minnesota. Um, AJ leaves his jersey. AJ needs a snicker. AJ needs a snicker before we go play Michigan at Michigan. That's a, I mean, that's something. I mean, he he can't play if he doesn't get a snicker before we play number two. We play number two Michigan on ESPN at Michigan. Three, we have to run on the court in three minutes. AJ needs a snicker. Our guy, our um, trainer goes up and grabs him a snicker, a hot dog, and some nachos. That's something. Um, before the game, and he ate all of it. No, he just ate the snicker. All he wanted was a snicker. All he it's like he tried. Weird dude. Who else? Um, I don't know, man. I don't got, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories that I tell to a lot of kids. Biggie. I'll tell you Biggie's story. Mm-hmm. Biggie comes to Purdue, and B, um, Biggie wants to shoot three. B wants to kind of be a guard on the wing. This is not like a bastard. It's a great story. It's a great story to learn from for anybody that wants to learn. But it just shows you who Biggie was, kind of how hard he worked. But we, every, I don't know if we have to run a mild test at Purdue. have to make it a certain amount of time. Guards, 530, big, six minutes. Threes or fours, you have 545. And Biggie kind of wants to be a three or four. Long story short, if you don't make the mile, you have to run it every day. This is something that we know in recruiting. This is something we know before we get to Purdue, you got the mile test. Mm-hmm. Biggie runs it, Biggie doesn't make it. So Biggie knows the next day he has to make it. What Biggie does is something that I really, I've never seen anybody on my team ever do. And I'm a senior at this point. Biggie came back to the track that night, ran his mile again, and missed it. <laughs> Biggie ran it again the next day and missed it by himself. And then I next he had to run it again with the team. So this is his third time running. He missed it all three times. 
that very that next day when the team is there, Biggie makes his mind. So I know Biggie has kind of went through. If you know, I tell that story because I know Biggie has kind of went through. A, I guess some people may kind of say went through something recently, mm-hmm. but with the work ethic that Biggie had at Purdue, the work ethic that I know Biggie has just in life, that's one of those things where we could never let what Biggie did for Purdue or what Biggie did for Biggie or even what Biggie did for Fort Wayne ever slip out or ever be kind of not counted or be looked over because of what he's done recently. So, I mean, that's, I don't, yeah, that, I guess that could be my story. I guess that could be my story, but because Biggie, I've never seen, like, we have practice at 6 a.m. We have like a practice walkthrough plays or whatever, 6 or 7 a.m. Biggie sleep already when I get there. Cause I'm first one there. Biggie sleep, which means if Biggie sleep in the locker room, he just finished working out. So it's six or seven in the morning. That's one workout. We do our little practice, our little walkthrough. We don't really bust a sweat. We just kind of walk through something. Unless Pink gets pissed off. Mm-hmm. That's done at eight. Biggie works out again at eight. We have to go train, eat food, breakfast, or whatever. We go to class. Biggie has on Biggie then go to campus. He did all the stuff online. Biggie goes to the training room. He gets his treatment. He gets his lift in. He works out again. It's not even 10 o'clock yet. Biggie goes to sleep, does his homework, whatever. He wakes up, it's noon, gets his lunch. Biggie works out. Biggie goes to the weight room. Biggie eats. Biggie work out. Then we got film. We got practice. Biggie shoots. We go to dinner. Biggie come back. Biggie work out. So it's like Biggie sleep in the locker room. So what Biggie did for Purdue, that next year, I know I get some credit for that next year. I got a ring. It was special. It meant a lot to me. It meant the world to me paint giving that ring. But I knew they were winning in the Big Ten Championship that next year. Biggie was pissed off, so Biggie worked even harder. So it's like, there's a reason they should have won three in a row. They should have easily won three in a row. But Biggie meant so much. He meant so much to that team when he left. It's kind of like, whoa, what do we do? And then they figured it out, and that's why that next year they won it again. But it's like, Biggie meant a lot to Purdue. Although he was there for two years, in you know Biggie doesn't speak a lot, he doesn't talk a lot, quiet dude, but that can never be overlooked. So I guess this week has been like real kind of entwining for me because Blue Jack is kind of he went through some things and now I'm, I'm expressing to him kind of no I'm, I don't there's a matter I want to defend. I had to explain to Lou Jack, I don't care I want to defensive player of the year. You mean more to Purdue than I do. So it's like, you know what I mean? So Biggie's going through something now and it may be a time where he may may look on Twitter or Purdue fans not feeling me. But this is a time we can give him a lot of love and a lot of support and let him know, if you don't got somewhere else to go, you can always come here. You know what I mean? So, my bad, man. I ain't got a lot of funny stories, but, yeah, stuff oh, like okay. that. It's always what got to me. Like, like Dakota Mathai's very first day of his work, summer workouts, he's a freshman. <laughs> he he had, like, the mono thing or whatever. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he has so much pride and so much heart. Like, Dakota being in the NBA, he told you he was going to do it. He, he, he look at you. He look at Chad Young. He look at me as a freshman. AJ, AJ not going to be an NBA player. I'm the NBA player on this team. He tell you. And he is the NBA player from that team. Yeah. So it's like his very first day on campus. This is after the 5 a.m. workout. We get back to our individuals. Dakota goes hard. I can see it in his face. It's hot in Mackie. Mackie has no air conditioning. Paint, make you go on Mackie. Because we had just come in last place. Why we need air conditioning? So... Dakota like passes out. So they have to drag Dakota into the tunnel in front of like the big round fan. I come through the tunnel, I'm like, what's wrong with the freshman? And he looks at me and Dakota like starts crying. 
It's like, Ray, I'd never do this again. I, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to come and do. This is no, he, he tries to get up. He tries to go back out there and run and like collapses again. So it's like stuff like that, like Dakota Matthias as a freshman, he physically couldn't do it no more. We, went, we didn't have that great relationship thing his first day, but he's apologizing to me. And I already knew he physically, he wasn't supposed to be out there. So it's like, that's why he is where he is. You know what I mean? So if anybody could like take anything away from that, Dakota manifested where he is. He, Dakota, this is another, Dakota kept a locker next to me. And it's not, a, I keep two, two Dakota stories. Dakota kept a journal. Like, it's a grown man. He's kept a journal. It's like a, like a, I don't know what you call it, but if you piss Dakota off from basketball that day, he's going to write about you in his journal. And that next day, he's going to do his best to destroy you. So it's like, he took basketball and comp competition so serious. Like, if you got him that day or AJ didn't pick Dakota for five on five, AJ will, I mean, Dakota will run a ball screen and put AJ in ball screen action the whole time and just destroy AJ. So it's like, that's who Dakota is. Like, there was a time when another Dakota story is, it's, a work, it's an open gym. I just want to see how far I can push Dakota. Like, Dakota's my guy at this point. This is my guy but I want him to be mad at me one time. So as I open the gym, I just don't let Dakota shoot the ball. Every time he touches, I, smack, I foul him. Like every time he gets a smack in my grabber's jersey, he tries to shoot, I just push him out the area. Like I don't foul, I don't hurt him or anything. Like I grab him his jersey, I'm pulling him, smacking him. Dakota didn't talk to me for two weeks. He just will look at me like, and we had, our, my locker's here, Dakota's locker's here. So like he just look at me like, <laughs> so like that's who Dakota is. That's who my teammates were. So I know I get a lot of like leadership, stuff like that but i played with some real dogs like pj thompson i made him mad one time and it's at that moment i knew he was my guy i just always knew i knew pj he was a, a kid third or fourth grade and i know i'm not that much older than him but i was always playing up a level with my age group so it looked like we were more spread out than it was but pj was too nice and it got to the point where how can i get this dude to fight me i want him to fight me so it was a practice you know, I kind of did the same thing, but this time it's a real practice, not open gym. So I foul PJ every time he gets the ball. I push him, I foul him. I'm guarding PJ. I want him. Like, I want him. PJ goes total, total me, and we get in the locker room. PJ wants to fight me. So it's like, PJ seems like this nice kid, like this great young man. He is. But PJ will fight you. And that's what it, and that's what it came down to. Hey, the year I get, the time I got hurt, my knee, after we beat Florida in the championship in Connecticut, I'm a senior. I trap Isaac in practice that next day. I go trapping. I take the ball from him. So what does Isaac do the next play? He comes to trap me. He just happens to fall on me, and I spray my MC on him out for a few weeks. But it was in the. It wasn't malicious. It was Ray just took the ball from me. I'm not a guard, but we competing. I'm gonna trap him. So you know what I mean. So I play with guys that weren't scared. Guys that were willing to go toe to toe with me, and they knew. If, and I knew if my guys go toe to toe with me, when I go toe to toe with Diamond Stone against Maryland, I know my guys got my back. And that's kind of who Purdue was. And that's who he wasn't my sophomore year, but that's kind of who we continue to be now. And the guys that, that have it now, like Eric and Jaden and Travion and those guys, Zach, they want it just as bad as we do. And they, they're taking last year as if it was kind of the year we came in last place. And it's two whole separate things. And this team is going to be way better than we were, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We overachieved 100%. And this team, if they overachieved, this is be national champions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time to be a Purdue fan, especially in the future. 
hopefully things start turning around. Um, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's thank been you, there. I've been looking up to you since I was, shoot, 13, 14 years old. I appreciate that. You sound, sound like me uh, when I was talking to Lou Jack. That's funny, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really uh, no, I appreciate you and what you're doing, man. If you need me or any, anything that we're doing, if you ever want to be a part of something I got going on, it's all love always. Yeah, for sure. Stay safe down there, man. All right, man. Have a good one.